fresh out of the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, yes, even Jurassic World, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries entitled Bums uh, Find a Way, covering every film in the Jurassic Park series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series because technically there are none. This is the last Jurassic Park. Wade, how are you doing? <laughs> I mean, technically it is. <laughs> technically. Right? I'm doing good, Emmett. I guess it is technically the last one, but I've also seen a lot of chatter about this being the end of the Jurassic Park trilogy. Oh, that's it is such, a- <laughs> that's such hot garbage. <laughs> It's a trilogy in the sense that there are three movies. Correct. But Quite not that they are connected in any real way. I mean, there's really nothing that connects them except for the people who were there from the beginning. Some of which are here. I have a feeling that in years to come, in years to come, in, in decades, decades down the road, people are going to talk about the original Jurassic Park. Then they're going to talk about the sequel trilogy which is Lost World colon Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 and uh-huh. Jurassic World. And then they're going to talk about the duology of Jurassic, <laughs> <laughs> of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion. I agree. I think we're going to have to log this for later, for 10 years down the line. I think you're on to something there, Mitch. Because who knows how many trilogies they might come out with. I really hope it's not many. <laughs> I think millions of years from now, when humans are extinct, and the next species are making movies about this. They'll imagine a world where all Jurassic Park movies were out at the same time, coexisted in peaceful equilibrium. That joke slaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Emmett. Oh, my God. How are you, Emmett? How are you doing? My one job to ask this question. Oh, I'm doing doing just perfectly and especially well today because we have returning to the pod, returning champion Irene Polk. Is that... Is that the sound? <laughs> the victory screech? Who I believe, when you were on before, we were like, yes, whenever we do Jurassic Park, you must, we must have you back on. And here you are. So happy to have you back. Thank you I'm so much I'm happy to for be back. Here. I have also brought a fourth cast member in the form of John Hammond action figure Whoa. with dual faces and hands. <laughs> you can't see it, but there's also a baby dinosaur in the corner right here. <laughs> that, is awesome. that is awesome. You know, he doesn't have a ton of like action poses, so they had to give him two heads. To... Yeah, and they look the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, I mean, what was your previous experience with this series and then with this film in particular? So, you know, obviously Jurassic Park is a a very loved film. I think most people, whether they're really into watching movies or not, have heard of Jurassic Park. It's very interesting for Mm -hmm. me because for a a long time, I knew Jurassic Park and I knew Jurassic Park 3 and I had no idea Jurassic Park 2 existed. (laughs) Because I feel like they tried to wipe that movie from the earth, as they should, (laughs) because that movie's freaking ridiculous. (laughs) Jurassic Park 2, I have very, very, very small memory of because I've only seen it twice. Because once again, what was that? I I love Jurassic Park. I think it's one of the pivotal movies in my life that really got me interested in like paleontology and dinosaurs and things like that. And then mm-hmm. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park 3 came out and I was just like addicted, like put it in my veins. If there's a dinosaur around, put that in my veins, man. Did you see this when it like right when it came out then? I don't think so. My family wasn't really good at like going out and seeing movies, but I'm pretty sure the first time I saw Jurassic Park 3 was because my uncle had it on DVD Mm. at his house. That's also the first time I saw Leprechaun at an age I shouldn't have seen Leprechaun. (laughs) (laughs) That's a double feature right there. (laughs) 
Wow, that is the St. Patrick's Day double feature I didn't know I needed. Emmett, did you see this when it came out? You had already seen the others at this age, right? Yeah. 2001. So I distinctly remember going to see this movie in theaters and just losing it. Just (laughs) not, like, not even being able to handle myself. I was so stoked on this movie as a kid. And I watched it a ton as a kid. I was, as I've said before on this series, I watched all of these a bunch. On this rewatch, I was struck by something that I always noticed as a kid, too, which is that it feels like there's something missing from the last 30 minutes of this movie. It feels like there's a a skipped step somewhere in there. Hmm. I always like kind of had some feeling of that as a kid, and I definitely feel that now, but I also like it. Do you know what that skip step is? Can you elaborate on that at all? I don't know that I can, and maybe we'll be able to all get to it together when we dig in deeper. But mm-hmm. first, I want to know if Wade saw this movie in theaters. I didn't. I also watched this on DVD. We had, I think, the trilogy DVD that had all three of them. But it it would have been pretty soon after. I w- I've got to think like 2002, probably, I saw this at home. And I do remember watching this one a good chunk as a kid, too. I watched the first two definitely more, but I like remembered a lot of this still. And I remember distinctly on the DVD, like there was bonus features. I remember showing them like how they did the plane crash and you could like put it in your disk drive on your computer and it would like take you to a special Jurassic Park website. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Fond memories of all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, there was all sorts of computer game sort of stuff on the DVD mm-hmm. player that you could do. Yeah. I loved when they did that, when they used to give you like a little CD-ROM for you to put in as like something supplemental to put you in that world. I always loved that stuff. Yeah. Well, Irene, would you say this movie is a flop or a bop? 100% bop. 10 out of 10. Gold member status. This movie has very little imperfections in my eyes. There's dinosaurs, there's Alan Grant, there's Ellie, whatever the hell her last name is. Like, it has it all. (laughs) It has velociraptors, Spinosaurus, T-Rex. What else could you want? Perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect movie. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Wait, flop for bop. Okay, I have to say... I have to say that I was very anxious going into this rewatch because I knew that both of you loved this movie. And I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, I truly used to hate this movie. (laughs) When I was like 10 was the last time I watched this movie. Largely, almost exclusively because Alan and Ellie didn't end up together. Yeah. And I really hated that as a kid. But I also didn't like the Spinosaurus. I didn't like the pee and the poop. I was like, what is this 90-minute schlocky thing in my Jurassic Park series? And I've got to say that rewatching it, I think it's a bop. Ow! Yes! <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Which I never thought I would say. Hell yes. Just because it is so quick in 90 minutes, I agree with you, Emma, that the end is a little wonky. I have a little bit of thoughts about that. But like, it just gives you just enough of everything, and it keeps it in such quick rotation like i really thought that this was the most watchable Mm -hmm. of all of the three we've seen so far like it just goes down so smooth yeah it kind of feels like a movie made to air on fx or tnt at like 6 p.m on a sunday yeah it's like it's already cut out all the parts that would get cut out of that (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah totally it's it's thought about those scenes already and it's already take it's already like done itself the service of taking those scenes out and making the movie half an hour shorter oh what about you emmett flump or bob oh it's a bob it's incredible Okay, so I had I had like cooled on the, this movie over the years. Mm-hmm. Like I think in my teens I was pulling for a dark and twisty Lost Worlds is like peak cinema phase, <laughs> you know, like that sort of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I was going for. And then a couple of years ago, my friends and I were like had no movies to watch. And they were, they were like staying in this old rental house on Ocracoke. And I went over to my place and I had Jurassic Park 3 and Popeye. 
with Robin Williams. We watched both of them that night and we were like, these movies slap. We need to watch these movies more often. We need, uh, you know, oh, we watched that. We were like, oh my God, that movie really is. It is really good. Like Jurassic Park 3. Very good movie. I don't know. It, you're right. The action keeps coming. Everything is happening. It's all happening so quickly. I think like the first movie is a movie that is about like big ideas. It's about themes. Mm-hmm. And I think the second one is a movie about Ian Malcolm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was say, what was the second one about? <laughs> I don't Neither know what the second one's about. But this movie knows what it's about, and it is about dinosaurs. That's right. <laughs> and, yeah. and this this movie is saying, well, you, you, I know what you want. You want more dinosaurs. You want more than 15 minutes of dinosaurs in That's two right. hours of movie. You want 90 <laughs> minutes of pure dinosaur action, and it gives it to you. Let's see, Irene, what do you love about this movie? Let's just like get get into it. Well, I think the biggest thing, um, Emmett, you just explained perfectly was the dinosaurs. Like <laughs> the reason Jurassic Park three is leaps and bounds over even the first one for me is mm-hmm. I think the first one was very pivotal in its like use of like FX and its use of like actual physical dinosaur props and mechanics to make everything look real. The the movie is very dark because they wanted to make things look as, you know, realistic as possible. And, you know, the the special effects in the third movie aren't perfect, but they've come along enough where they're like, we can see dinosaurs in broad daylight and we can see a mm. lot of them. I think it's 20 minutes into the movie that you get on the island and mm things go buck wild and like and it's dinosaur after dinosaur like behemoth after behemoth and it like it barely ever slows down and i really enjoy that i think that's what really takes the cake for me another big thing about this movie that i really enjoyed was how ridiculous i feel like some things were like i really like i've seen the movie so many times (laughs) that i was really trying to pay attention to the details and i feel like Mm -hmm. i have a lot of questions (laughs) for some of these people first of all like the very beginning how do you get tickets to go restricted boat riding (laughs) you know what i mean like how did they yeah. find a a man who could drive a boat on a restricted like waterway? And, and I backed up the movie a couple times to try and see it. I couldn't quite read what it said, but their parachute had like I don't know one eight hundred dino or something on it, like the number, <laughs> the promotional number for the company. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Especially since so much later in the movie is them being like, "We're broke. We run a painting company. We don't have any money." But you said you're getting to Costa Rica right. on this crazy parasail thing? Yeah, that doesn't... You're right, that doesn't add up at all either, does it? Because it adds up when they're, like, rich adventure parents. But if right. they're just broke schmucks from Nowheresville, Iowa, then... Yeah, how did that happen? Unless the guy... Who was who was Ben to Billy? Uh, not Billy, um, the son. His weird stepdad, right? Yeah, it's the mom's boyfriend oh okay maybe he pay for it maybe he who's something real like. dead so and oh, nobody so dead. cares no one. she's a little freaked out at first but then everybody's like real quick like it's a real shame that guy's dead she but... literally says it's not ben it's not ben <laughs> she's like oh hey audience guess what it's okay we're fine with it hated that guy <laughs> Now we've hit upon what unlocks this movie and makes it for me, which is Tia Leone as Amanda Kirby, just a completely deranged, divorced mom (laughs) on this island. The performance she gives is incredible. She is so dramatic. She's playing this entire movie like her primary concern is being horned up for her (laughs) ex-husband nothing else (laughs) it's like the biggest choices the most incredible commitment i think she just makes this movie encapsulated in that scene where a skeleton just a (laughs) real skeleton of her boyfriend lands on her she screams for three minutes and they're like it's okay it's okay we're so sorry he's dead and she's like i don't care i care that my son is alive and alone like what but also like what was her son's name eric eric 
<laughs> but like, did Eric just leave him there? Like, what did what part did Eric watch him die? Like, what happened? I need to know how that man's body just stayed hanging from that parachute, and Eric never helped him get down. Yeah, because he was alive still in the video. It's not like the fall killed him. Because you'd think, oh, the fall killed him. But you hear the video like they land in the video. Yeah. The kid gets down and then he's still on the thing. Maybe the dinosaur came and got him. But then why would he still be there? I think Eric watched that man die. <laughs> Can you go from human body to full skeleton in eight weeks? Is that how it works? In Jurassic Park, you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if they're picking at you and eating you, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think Eric killed that man. I think he <laughs> That's the story I would like to see. Okay, I mean, I have to ask, how much of your childhood love of this movie has to do with you wanting to be the kid in it? Because this little 10-year-old boy living amongst the dinosaurs, living yeah. off the land, big Emmett vibes from this character. Yeah, okay, so the number of times I pictured myself as this kid cannot... <laughs> be counted <laughs> um like just you know running around in the everglades pretending there was a pteranodon after me you know the setting was already there all i had to do was imagine the animals and sometimes not even imagine i mean like gators are scary mm-hmm. i had the books about this kid there's a series of three oh, no. companion novellas about eric for young readers about eric like living on the island in the time between the prologue of this movie and like the action of this movie and there's like one about that and then there's two about him after the park and it's really they're really good wow i didn't know i didn't know we were rooting for eric that deep yeah i i loved him do they touch on him killing his stepdad in right and cold start after that has already happened you know i think it starts after that has already happened but <laughs> I do know there's this weird meta moment where he goes on the Jaws ride at Universal, but then gets attacked by dinosaurs, like, in real life. Good. That's karma. What, he's at Universal Studios? He's at Universal Studios on the Jaws ride, and they get attacked by dinosaurs. I swear to you, that's a passage from a book that I have read. (laughs) Okay. I believe you. Maybe I'm going crazy, though. You know, who knows? Wow. Have either of you ever been to Universal Studios and seen, like, the Jurassic Park? Oh, absolutely. It's super cool. They actually just came out with a new ride, the Velocicoaster. Ooh. Yeah, I really want to get on that. What's the... Do you know the the Hulk ride? Like, the Hulk ride starts fast immediately. Like, you get shot up in the air first. I think it's very similar to that. It's super Mm -hmm. speedy. It looks crazy. Wow. Let's all just go down there. Yeah. In in true Jurassic Park 3 spirit, we have to go. Yeah, we have to go. We have to go back to the island. So I love how Alan Alan is like, nothing, no force on heaven or hell could make me go back <laughs> to Jurassic Park. Oh except God. for money, which is the exact same thing <laughs> that made him go back. On the first, first time. They made him go the first time. So it's like, not only did you not learn the lesson in a broader sense, you didn't even learn it in the one specific sense. <laughs> I didn't know he was so money hungry. I was like, this, like, watching that back, I'm like, is this his personality to be so driven by money that something yeah. that really scarred him for life, you saw people die, and he's like, oh, $10,000? Put me on this plane. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, it's crazy. He doesn't seem in line with anything that he's doing. He seems like really, I don't know, he seems really down to earth and like not into, like he's obviously not out there living large or anything. Like, but maybe it's just because the science is so expensive. I guess so. But he's giving university speeches. Yeah. Kids have read his, he's got two books, you know, like you think he would be a little better off. You would yeah. think so. But I guess like with, with his staff that knows, no- did you remember that part where Billy is trying to help the girl like brush away the the, oh, the that fossil was painful and, and she's just i just don't know what's bone and what's rock and i'm like so why what how did you get this job <laughs> yeah how you're a paleontologist you possibly, how could you possibly have gotten to where you are <laughs> and then billy is like hey look i invented the first 3d printer <laughs> got yes. it back here in the tent and alan's just like oh it's too late though there's a lot of foreshadowing <laughs> There's like foreshadowing lines in this movie. 
He's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's too late for that the Velociraptor vocal thing. Can't use that. Nothing will get me back on the island. You know, yeah. this is a whole bunch of like <laughs> foreshadowing stuff, which is pretty good. But I noted it a lot when I was watching it. There's a lot of slow zooms in on, uh, I think, just Alan's face. No one else really ever gets them, but but the dinosaurs. Yeah, that pterodactyl got a good one on the last yeah. scene. <laughs> okay, the dinosaurs in this one are truly like stone cold killers. <laughs> They're like pure just evil. Just murderers. They're not eating. They don't need <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> no, they just want to. Yeah. The Velociraptors are just out here killing people like it's their job. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Brachiosaurs, <laughs> which uh, eat plants, there's the haunting shot of like those zoom in on their face and they smile and they've got like the evil teeth in this one and oh yeah they do (laughs) everyone is scary in this one yeah yeah okay wait give us the very brief stats i know we're just going to continue to like talk about this movie as we go because that's just what this movie does to us so give us the stats as we as we go here Please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Jurassic Park 3 released July 18th, 2001 by Universal Pictures. It's a totally different creative team crew on this one than the last mm-hmm. two, which pretty much had the same. So, you know, there's no Spielberg directing, no cap writing, not based on a book by Michael Crichton or based on anything, no John Williams score. It's a it's a totally new crew for this one. Directed by Joe Johnston, who is like a special effects dude from back in the day. Uh, he's just like one of those guys who has like done everything. Like I know of Joe Johnston mostly for having created Boba Fett. Oh, well, wow. he was like a production designer on Empire Strikes Back. Oh wow! He has directed movies before this. He had directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, and Jumanji. Wow, those are a couple of heavy hitters in there. A bunch of like '90s kids classics. I feel like. Is kind of what he's bringing into this and the visual effects stuff, you know? Yeah. So that's why he knows the formula to make a perfect movie. Because mom and dad are getting back together. <laughs> that is, what, this <laughs> that is it. what this movie is is doing. It is like, guess what? Not only are mom and dad going to come and save you from the dinosaurs, they're getting back together. Yeah, it ends with my least favorite trope, which is... <laughs> child of divorced parents watching his parents make out again and smiling ah yes we did it (laughs) the kids classic (laughs) i mean not since the parent trap has a child gone to such lengths to get his parents back together as eric who got himself stranded on a on an island full of dinosaurs committed manslaughter <laughs> committed manslaughter maybe murder uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we don't know allegedly allegedly he had <laughs> he did not kill this man but we do not know you know that whole thing was his idea too oh absolutely like, i don't think oh, yeah. i don't think ben was out here saying yeah. you want to go see yeah. some dinosaurs i think the kid was like let's do it and mom why don't you stay home you know there's a cut of this movie where the kid is like in the bushes watching them the whole time and it's like no i'm just waiting until mom and dad like each other a little bit more before i pop out that's a good point he can conveniently (laughs) save dr grant in the nick of time everyone else was expendable though he's like i'm not gonna waste this gas canister on on who's this guy like wow but he knew who he was i guess because he had because he had seen his picture on the back of his book or whatever yeah he asked him right away it's the last human face he could remember This is, like, really the child's dream, you know? You kill your mom's boyfriend, you're stranded, living on Dinosaur Island by yourself, and then your hero comes and you save them dramatically, and the two of you are palling up. Then you eat cold pork and beans together and have a manly conversation about dinosaur piss. I was gonna say, like, (laughs) and then he's like, oh, you don't want to know how I got this. I'm like, I do, though, and I want an explanation. Well, this movie also starts by saying, like, hey, we know we told you the T-Rex was cool, but the T-Rex sucks. Bad. (laughs) They really twist the knife in on that one as the uh, Spinosaurus suplexes it and breaks its neck. (laughs) Really? 
I was going to say it's weird how the Spinosaurus like picks and chooses when it's strong and when it's not like mm-hmm. at, the, at the like, I guess the height of it when when Alan Grant and Eric find his parents and they're like in that gate, that little gate situation and the Spinosaurus can bust through the gate. But when they put a barrier over the door of the science center, the Spinosaurus is like, dang, I'm really up security. I can't get through this door. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're looking at that corrugated plastic roof and you're imagining right. the claws are just right about to come through that thing, right? Yeah, I'm like, you can't just step on that. I feel like you can get in there pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, we've just seen it run and smash like a thousand pounds of pure electric steel. Yeah. And then they like put three wooden bars on the door. <laughs> it's like, it's I like can't you do got it. me. Yeah, but that was the CG one. This was the practical one. (laughs) The history of this movie is talking about the writers of this movie. But basically, to sum it all up, there just was never a script. Oh, perfect. That's what I thought. That's what I thought watching this. I was like, oh, it was was storyboarded. So I I will walk you through this now. But the uh, highs and lows of it is that they do not have a script when they make this movie. But okay, Lost World comes out in 97. Spielberg says he's not going to do another one. In 98, they announce the studio, Universal Studios Pictures, uh, announces Jurassic Park 3. And they don't have a director, but they have a writer. There's this guy called Craig Rosenberg. Uh, I didn't know much of what he's done at the time, but now he's on The Boys, the TV show. He's like one of the main uh, guys in charge of that. So he writes the script for Jurassic Park 3, which is completely unconnected from the others. It's about a group of teenagers who get marooned and they have to survive on Isla Sorna. So sort of just basic like horror movie, I feel like, you know, you got to imagine these teens had a bunch of attitude. They're on Dinosaur Island. That's this guy's script. And that didn't happen at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So then the next year, 99, Joe Johnston comes on board to direct he throws out that script. <laughs> they hire Peter Buckman, who had just done spec stuff at the time. He only has one other screenplay credited that he goes on to write after this, which is the classic adaptation Aragon. Oh my gosh. That is a movie that deserves entire basements worth of critical discourse. <laughs> reams and reams and reams of typewriter paper could be meticulously and obsessively filled with talking about the film Aragon. But perhaps it's best not to here. (laughs) So that guy comes on, he writes his draft from scratch, which is about two parallel stories going on at the same time. One of them is about a bunch of dinosaur attacks that are like reaching the main which starts with a parasailing couple being eaten, which is where the idea for the beginning of this movie comes. And then the other story that's like going on at the same time in the script is basically what the movie becomes. It's Alan Grant who has been paid to narrate this rich couple's flight. And then like the plane gets attacked and they crash land. There's no sun aspect and like the twist that they're not actually rich isn't there. It's basically the same beats of the story. Mm -hmm. From that script, they like can't quite get it right. So they asked David Kep, who wrote the first two, if he can read it, tell them what they what he thinks. He's like, it should just be the island stuff. That should be the script. So then the studio hires these two other guys, this writing team, Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor. And these were comedy guys. They had written Election, About Schmidt, uh, Citizen Ruth. They're like, can you bring this all together and add some comedy into the script? Although apparently they saw the finished movie and they were like, they took out all of our jokes. Rip. (laughs) Yeah, that was the other 30 minutes. It was all (laughs) jokes. And they are the ones who add, because they had worked with Laura Dern before, and they are the ones who added her into this movie because she wasn't originally. And they were like, we'll have her little bookending scenes. So I think that's their major contribution. But that's like a month before filming starts that they got on board. And there is never at any point a final shooting script. Wow. And it sounds like everyone hated making the movie because of that. I've got a bunch of quotes here. Joe Johnston, the director, said making this movie was, quote, a living hell on a daily basis. (laughs) 
Alessandro Nivola, who plays Billy, said, Billy was the only part I've ever done that had nothing for me to latch on to character-wise. And William H. Macy, this is the best one. He truly went off. This is just a little, little clip of his speech. But he said, who launched a $100 million ship without a rudder? And who's getting fired for this? I think someone should be shot, but I'm not in charge. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn. Well, look, man, your pain is my pleasure. I think he is. Okay, wait, let's just go. Let's. Wait, how much more of those stats do you have? Because I think well, we, we need can, we to do a stroll off. down actor lane real quick. Because William it. H. Macy in this movie is doing everything. <laughs> He is like there as this super awkward embarrassment of a man next to Alan Grant. And his wife is somehow, somehow there is no interest in this movie, in her being at all into Alan Grant. Or like having anything, like having any sort of tension there whatsoever. It's wild. He is like playing, being perplexed and bemused and befuddled very well. His mustache is doing a lot of the work. Yeah. He's right though. Someone probably should be shot. Let's play a game. Who should who should have got shot in this movie? <laughs> At least one more person should have died in this movie. Yeah. Who do you think it should be that should have died? Well, it was weird because when Billy died, I watched this with Laura who hadn't seen it and she was like, "Oh, that's so sad. I can't believe they killed him." And I was like, "I'm pretty sure he doesn't die." But it really looked like he had just died. Mm-hmm. And then they bring him back at like the last second of the movie. He's just on a stretcher. He's yeah. fine. No clue how he got there. He's hanging out. Yeah. I don't know about this fake outs. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. It's like you only get you only get so much with that. And it doesn't hit as hard on a rewatch. That's my big problem with a fake out. Not that it's like so cheap the first time you see it. Billy could have went. Billy could have died. I would have been okay with that. He gets a cool death, like to begin with. Just yeah. let's leave him dead. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah, he's like pecked to death by those birds in the water. Falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. They really like go in on that one. And once again, foreshadowing because earlier Alan asks him if he can use that parachute because they find it off on ben's body and he's like as long as it doesn't have any holes in it which is what ends up happening mm-hmm. wow. Oh, yeah. wow it all ties together it all see ties for together. no script listen <laughs> <laughs> they did what they had to do i think that you can tell that a lot of the movie but especially the action scenes were kind of saved in the edit when you watch the action scenes it's a lot of like cut to a shot of the spinosaurus roaring cut back to the plane rolling, cut back to a different angle on the Spinosaurus roaring. Yeah. Like, I think you could tell that they didn't totally know what was going to happen. They just shot a lot of coverage yeah. and edited it into something basically coherent. That's true. Also on actor lane, Billy, mm-hmm. he said he has nothing to connect to. What a, What is the audience? What is the audience here thing? Billy as a character was okay it's it, it it just seems so weird that i don't know like i feel like alan and billy were are introduced as like like we said these holistic characters who really have a passion for the work they do but then they're so swayed by the idea of money like alan's able to get on the plane so quickly at the offering of money and billy at the sight of the raptor eggs the first thing he thinks about is oh i can sell these and we can get more money for their i guess their archaeological digs or whatever and i'm just like i guess that's you know he cares enough about it to want it to succeed but i'm just like you're kind of (laughs) stupid like you're kind of dumb okay there is like this is maybe deeply buried here but there's like a kind of old west cowboy thing buried in all of this of the two of them being like cowboy partners and he wants like he's doing a job underneath his mentors and the older guy's nose mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to smuggle this stuff while they're doing a thing but he doesn't pay off and they don't play heavily enough into it to like make it quite work and also a lot of the time it looks like they could be a couple I'm not like completely convinced by Evan's theory, but with Evan's theory in mind, I'm like, 
I see what we're talking about here. And we well, we should say because this didn't make the edit. Oh, it didn't. No, because of future spoilers. But we should say Evan Scott Russell had his, a read on this movie, which is that uh, Alan Grant is struggling with his sexuality, and there's something going on with Billy. So <laughs> I watched it looking for that, and have to say I don't see an inch of it. I don't in see this movie. it either. Like I don't <laughs> I know if it's... Billy is the the twink paleontologist <laughs> that we think he is. I don't think he's you know. <laughs> I don't think Billy that. is playing like chemistry with almost every character a lot of the time, but yeah, I don't think that's there from Alan's side at all. It's not getting boned, if you will. I don't really know what Alan is doing in this movie. Yeah, that's also very strange. It's like he seems to be the protagonist, but doesn't really do much, doesn't change. What does he learn? What does he like? How does he shift over the course of this movie? Well, it feels like his one change moment is where he's like, I never told Ellie how much she means to me or like how much she saved my life or whatever. Oh. That's his one moment like that. But that isn't really foreshadowed or paid off enough other than that. It's her that kind of saves the day. But he doesn't get the moment with her where he thanks her. Right. Yeah. It that. just seems like he acknowledges that she's someone he can always count on. Mm-hmm. But that kind of seems like the extent of it. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt either. I wasn't sure if I like or don't like the fact that they didn't end up together. Like, I do think that I enjoy movies that don't lean heavily on love or fan service of some sort. But at the end of the day, I feel like from the first movie, there was obviously a connection that they had. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't romantic, but it just seemed weird that there's this guy that Ellie is with and she just has like a whole baby. And I'm just like, what the what the hell is this? Yeah. What is this family that you have? How dare you? I think it's weird because he's such a trip too. He's like such a weird, boring non-character. Yeah. Like if she had ended up with someone, I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to be that guy if it wasn't Alan. Yeah. Okay, I've got to say on the Billy convo that I had such a huge crush on Billy as a kid. He was one of my first celebrity crushes watching this movie. And watching it as an adult, I think I'm validated. I think I think it's a justifiable crush. I think he's really good. And I love that actor too, all because of this movie and and being obsessed with him in this movie as a kid. But Alessandro Navola, I've watched him give truly excellent performances in a lot of really bad movies because I like him so much. So <laughs> that's always exciting. I mean he's definitely a looker. He can make you forget what's rock and what's bone, so <laughs> good on him. Yeah. yeah. They should have brought her along. She would have been lots of fun on the trip. She would have been the one to get shot. (laughs) For real. All the other random side characters are, like, totally forgettable. Yeah. Like, the different mercenaries and the pilot and stuff. You're like, just get those guys out of here. That mercenary thing is so interesting to me, too, because I feel like the introduction of them literally, like, exploding a plane that they made to be like a dinosaur only for first of all them not to you not to bring that technology with them to yeah, they to never the exploded dinosaur yeah. right like they didn't do that they fired off a couple shots and literally ran back to the plane immediately i'm like so what were y'all here for what was your purpose yeah you're right because their whole evacuation plan was completely screwed up because they were willing to leave that guy mm-hmm. they didn't have any plan about like get everybody back to the plane before you start the takeoff they didn't have any plan about if you do get left behind you just gotta like fight and like make sure everybody else gets out no plans in place no protocols nope. what the hell were they thinking <laughs> amateurs I mean, and that's the whole thing is like everybody's scamming everybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody's being like, oh, yeah, like I'm not really a high level mercenary. I wasn't really in the Green Berets. I'm actually the agent who does the booking for the mercenaries usually. But one of the guys called out sick. Yeah. What is that? That's absurd. I think they're saying something. But again, the script never got a cut by David Mamet. So we'll never know. <laughs> The like clean version of this movie would end with like those guys having to blow up a dinosaur. Well, Billy has to 3D print something in the exact amount of time, mm. and the kid has to use the T Rex pee to like ward off oh someone else. You know, the parents have to like trust letting the kid go to be on his own to save the day or something. Yeah, Tia Leone has to. <laughs> stop wanting to do horrible horrible things 
to William H. Macy for like 30 <laughs> seconds. So, because there's like a dinosaur with heat sensor vision and it's like too hot in the room when they're together. <laughs> They've been on the island for like 10 minutes. They've just seen a bunch of people die and their first scene together is playing another one of these great tropes the broken up couple has to see each other changing again yeah (laughs) and it's like we've just seen a bunch of people die and then she's like how much weight did you lose (laughs) (laughs) i'm on that paleo diet on a side note i have a question it just popped into my head what is the brain function of a velociraptor that can pretend to be a floating <laughs> a floating head inside a water capsule <laughs> what is the pranking impulse yeah what is the, the like high level iq for the for him to be like oh this is how i'll get them i'll pretend to be a dead aniba inside this glass case <laughs> yeah you know that is really galaxy branding that stuff right that goes beyond they can communicate and like coordinate their hunts yeah. and open uh-huh. doors uh-huh. like that moment is both very good and very funny yes it's one of my favorite moments but watching it back i was like this t- this is too much this is too much planning i love <laughs> how they kind of bark in this one with how they've kind of got the yarp, yarp yeah going on yeah i think that in this one there was an effort to try and depict the dinosaurs as 2000 age science new as opposed to the original like 1993 because some of the findings had like progressed since then so that's like why they have feathers the velociraptors have feathers and they like talk to each other Mm -hmm. i think that's all stuff that was had been discovered since the first movie came out that's pretty cool that's why the dinosaurs are probably more colorful too yeah they do seem very colorful in this one okay so to talk about the end which you were saying earlier on I do agree with that it's a little bit weird because there's like the big climax with the Spinosaur and the rain, which I think is really good and exciting. And then there's like another 10 minutes and there's the thing with the Velociraptors mm-hmm. where they just like give them the eggs and then they go away and it doesn't really pop off, but it like resolves that. And then because it has been so like an awkward amount of time since the big climax of the movie, you're like, oh, I guess there's another big battle coming or something else is like really going to end this movie. And then they get to the beach and the military drives up and then it just ends. <laughs> you know, like you don't get to see the military fight the dinosaurs, but you also don't really get another like big sort of moment with all of the heroes. Yeah. We also don't talk about the pterodactyls who are just, in the air now like flying around like like alan's like oh they're they're finding a new place to call home and i'm like and what if that place is america like why it is that's what those books were about that's the dinosaurs chase eric to orlando florida oh my god (laughs) they remember (laughs) they remember this time it's personal i'm like so we're just cool with a bunch of pterodactyls just leaving this area we're okay with that we're not gonna shoot them down we're not gonna do anything like that we're just gonna yeah they've got all that military equipment nobody's like maybe we should take care of these giant evil lizard bats every time this movie tries to play the majesty of dinosaurs i'm like no i just saw how horrible they were i just saw them murder three people i do not buy it right Alan's really just like sees this guy get killed and he's like, you know, he just wanted to touch the world. That's a good (laughs) thing. He died, but that's a good, good thing. And Eric's like, yeah, I think Billy was right. And I'm like, no, Billy was wrong. (laughs) That's why he's going to be in the hospital for a long time. Yeah, Billy doesn't have a liver anymore. talking about the ending i would like to say shout out to the most annoying ringtone on the planet but more than that shout out to ellie's freaking kid who rather watch barney than save the lives of these human beings (laughs) that's the mvp right there yeah that part is so good so funny yeah it is a good moment People on the internet would love to disagree with us about that. People hate that kid. I'll tell you right now, Letterboxd needs to get over itself. <laughs> People hate the kids in all the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. They're yeah. just always going to be there. Like you gotta be you gotta yeah. be cool with them. There are movies that are basically for kids, like in such a huge yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, like, who do you think these movies were made for? Who do you think this movie was made for? I think this movie was made for Universal Pictures <laughs> to make some money. And I think that's that's whatever the Spielberg influence on all of these is that little kids are such a big part of them and father figures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that being said, who would you say your MVP in this film is? I guess I'm taking Dr. Grant off the table as kind of the protagonist. I think my MVP of this movie is the red T-Rex that... <laughs> oh my god. That is as much as killers and murderers as these dinosaurs were, there's a line. And I think she found that line and she said, you know what? It's not even worth it. <laughs> Some things aren't worth it. And she turned around and she went back to whatever forest cave she lives in. <laughs> she comes out and she's like, ooh, smells bad. <laughs> Y'all nasty. Right <laughs> she literally sees them scooping through poop and she's like, okay, humans are weird. <laughs> Turns around. <laughs> Yeah, I really want that phone, huh? This movie really is about dinosaurs. Yeah. It's like, why would that dinosaur show up there? It has nothing to do with anything plot-wise. It does nothing. It moves the plot zero. Yep. You wanted to see a dinosaur then, though. I did. <laughs> so, so, there it is. Wade, MVP. I mean, I've already talked about her, but it is the mom. <laughs> she really makes this movie for me. I think you need someone who is like being that over the top and dramatic, but it isn't annoying to me. I can totally see how it may be to other people, but I love the total commitment both to the scream queen stuff and all of the horned up side stuff she's playing. I think she's great. Emmett MVP. I would like to give the MVP to William H. Macy, whose name I can almost never remember because he's one of those three named guys that he had a miserable time with this movie certainly but that is mostly because he did not understand what kind of movie he was in like tia leone was in this movie and she knew it she was like yes i'm in a movie that is called jurassic park three and those threes will never be put in the form of a three they will be in the form of three slash marks through the cover <laughs> of the movie that is the kind of movie that i am in and i am going to be in that kind of movie but william h macy is, is in this movie playing it like it's mrs doubtfire and i think that is really special I think that really adds a layer of complexity to this film that certainly wouldn't be there if it was just some some other actor playing that part. So, shouts to him. He's uh, 51 years old in this movie. What? Just wanted to throw that on. Wow. He really did take up swimming. (laughs) Before we close, we've kind of touched on it about how the ends... Mm -hmm feels a little disconnected i agree i always feel like the thing with velociraptor happens in the wrong order somehow the thing with the velociraptor and the spinosaurus Mm. and if that had happened earlier there's no time because it goes bam from the aviary into the boat i think more or less but if there had been some period of time in between there to do it then you set that thing closer to the end. And then maybe you bring in the thing of the Velociraptors helping them fight the Spinosaurus at the end because they've saved the eggs. They've made an alliance. And it's like, it's a callback to the Velociraptors and the T-Rex fighting at the end of the first movie. You know, mm. I don't want to reshoot this whole movie. I don't want to like make remake Jurassic Park 3. I just want to shoot an edit of like 30 minutes of this movie. <laughs> That's fair. No, I think you're right on the money. I think if you just flipped those, it would be a lot better. Yeah. Like do the small scale plot ending and then do the big climax. Yeah. And then have them run from that onto the beach where the military is waiting to take down the Spinosaur. Them like falling from the crane and the fire on the water. That's a whole cool sequence. That's even after the pterodactyl sequence, which is a whole other cool sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, this yeah. movie's got cool sequences. It's, it's got them. I love the pterodactyl. Yeah. That whole part is so cool. Yeah. So scary. I feel like they're very inventive with the setups, you know, like putting them on that old rickety bridge in the mm-hmm. mist. And later, I think it's William H. Macy's all of them who like gets caught in the cage under the water mm-hmm. and has to mm-hmm. escape. 
I feel like the other ones are much more just like you're running from a dinosaur. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot in this of of that, like, oh, like, here's an old rundown park, especially in the second one. That's hardly ever used. He, like, gets inside one car in the second one. I guess it's kind of used in the buildings. But in this, it's used so much. The cages, like, the fear of being put in a cage, too, is like... They, they're like going down in a cage yeah it's about the retribution when man tries to play god do you have any final thoughts about this irene about jurassic park 3 in general i think that i would be remiss not to bring up the one part of this movie that to me was perfectly normal until i got on the internet and realized that people thought it was really weird and that's Alan Grant having a dream about a talking velociraptor in the beginning of the movie. Alan. 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 <laughs> Alan. I, I hear a lot of people saying that they think that's really, like, dumb, really silly. And I'm like, guys, like, this man has PTSD. Like, this man has been in a scenario with T-Rexes, velociraptors. His life has been on the line multiple times. And now he's returning back to a similar area. He doesn't know he's going to be in the midst of it yet, but he's going to head to a similar place where those animals exist. I'm like, I would see them in my dreams too. Yeah. You know, so I would like to defend that. But also Mm -hmm. (laughs) to bring it back around, I think think Jurassic Park 3 is just like the perfect mix of short and sweet. You get right to the point. There's enough character development for you to know what's going on. It gets you right into the action with the dinosaurs. They're bright. They're in living color. They're menacing. They're cool. You get to see a lot of old characters that you love. You get to see a lot of new characters that you can't wait to, you know, pass on to the next life. And I think it's a really well-rounded good movie and i i enjoy it every time i watch it there isn't a time where i'm like oh this is gonna suck the energy out of me if i have to sit and watch this movie it's a very consumable Mm. enjoyable movie excellent wade final thoughts i've been struck by horrible hiccups so forgive me (laughs) if i'm making weird noises over okay first of all i want to publicly apologize for on our lost world episode at one point calling it isla sonar (laughs) i am truly a fool And if you've listened to more than one episode of this podcast, you should know that already. So I love that Laura Dern is in this movie, even if it's just a little bit. I love her thousands mom get up. We see her in. And I feel like even my big child criticism of them not being together is a little bit lessened knowing that they are going to be together in another movie now. I guess we don't know if there'll be a couple, but at least they will be sharing the screen as these characters again. I don't know. I really like this movie. I think it is so watchable. It's like so easy to turn on. You guys have really turned me around on this. And I feel like the series needed something like this, you know? On the one hand, it has, I think, truly aged, like fine box wine that it is. But like, you can't keep chasing forever that we're going to make a movie that is as smart and as perfect as the first one. You can't keep making these like action movies that are also very heady science thrillers, you know, like at some point they just needed a movie that was going to be like, here's a B movie level of plot with a bunch of action and it's going to be exciting. And I feel like that frees it up to go different places in the future. Yeah, we'll see. This takes like the opposite effect of Scream 3. Which I think is really interesting. As you described it, I was like, oh, Scream 3 decides to get like weirder and funnier and more heady and scale back on those really cool sequences like like the ones from the second one. Uh, Emmett, final thoughts? Any other final thoughts on Jurassic Park 3? I mean, I always used to think I was when I used to watch this as a kid, I was like, wow, Laura Dern, she used to be so young in Jurassic Park. What happened? She's so old in this movie. Now I look at that, look at her in this movie and I'm like, wow, Laura Dern in 2001. So young. (laughs) So young. I don't even know if I'm mad that she's not with Dr. Grant because I think that's an interesting choice. It is a shame she's not in more of this movie. That's Mm -hmm. like the only thing I'll say about them not being together. Bring them both back, you know, make them confront each other. Do a double mom and dad are getting back together. I don't know. Now, my friends, it's time for bums the word. This week, we're doing 10 movies. Um, We're going to do a classic bums the word style. Okay. 
the theme connecting all of these movies drawn loosely from Jurassic Park 3. The 10 most shocking villain reveals in movie history. Because I think that the Spinos- <laughs> okay. because I think the Spinosaurus is a surprise villain. And then I think that the Pteranodon is an even more surpri- surprise villain in this movie. Um, so I was thinking about surprise villains. Let me just say that the headline on this article, this comes from a Screen Crush article, features two actors who we have talked about before on this podcast. Pretty extensively. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Number one on this list. We're not going to talk, for the sake of not spoiling the films, we won't actually mention the villain or the reveal. That's just the what they did to get on this list. I'm just going to get you to guess the movie. Okay. So number one on this list is a film from 2017, a slow burn of a horror movie. Let's see what to say without giving this away straight Mm. up. It's about a young couple going home to meet the girlfriend's family and things getting not good (laughs) while they are there. Uh. Oh, is it, is it, is it get out? It is. That is correct. Uh, The film is Get Out, and that is a point to Irene. Next up, we have a film from 2013. It is an animated film from Disney. Oh, no. Is it Frozen? That is correct. Wait! (laughs) Yes. That does have a good villain reveal. Yeah, right? It's a total surprise when it turns out to be a Spinosaurus made of ice. Uh, (laughs) It really got me. (laughs) Number three is a thriller from 2014. It's by a director who we often talk about maybe doing for our podcast. That's unfairly helpful to Wade. It stars a person who has played Batman. It also plays a, starts a person who has played Dr. Horrible. Uh, I believe it is Gone Girl. That is correct. Also starring our old neighbor, Tyler Perry. Oh, oh my gosh. yeah. One of his rare dramatic roles in an, another director's film. Number four, 1985. Oh, no. It's a murder okay. mystery. It's also a comedy. It's also based on a board game. Is it Clue? It is Clue. <laughs> that is correct. It's two points each as we come into the fifth. Um, this is a film, an animated film from 2004. This is about an extraordinary family trying to live ordinary lives. Uh, this is disrupted. The Incredibles? That is correct. That is correct. Wade 3, Irene 2. Film number 6 in this horror film from 2004. Two men awaken in a bathroom. Saw. Yes, that is correct. Major uh, major Saw vibes from the Batman, I want to say. Oh, yeah, really? for sure. I felt that at least. Yeah, yeah. All right, neck and neck as we come into the last few here. We've got the 1960, the film that started it all, all of the slashers to come, and all of us being afraid to take showers. Oh, is this Psycho? That is correct. Film is Psycho. Number eight in this film, this work of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) From, From 2002. Starring friend of the pod and villain of at least one Scream movie. Wait, is it your favorite actor, Liev Schreiber? It's not. It's It okay. might be your favorite actor. <laughs> <laughs> this Wait, is, is it a... the guy who plays Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies? Uh, the yeah. first Scream? I can't think of his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're on is the Is it right really that or... guy? It's really that guy. I really can't think of his name now. I'll tell you, it was his face and Daniel Kaluuya's face as the headline of of this article. It's not Scream or Scooby-Doo, is it? It is Scooby-Doo. What? (laughs) Oh, really? For the villain reveal, which we will not mention on this podcast. Okay, I won't mention it if Emmett says I can't, but it is character assassination, (laughs) the villain reveal in that movie. Okay, wait, wait, should we talk about it? Let's... 
<laughs> Let's talk about it then. Everybody knows. The reveal is that beloved, wonderful, never did anything wrong character, Scrappy-Doo, was really the villain all along. That I believe. Scrappy-Doo sucks. The whole time. Number nine. It's a 1997 crime drama starring basically everyone who was cool in the 90s. It won a ton of awards. It's got lots of actors in it. To name some of the actors in this movie, we've got Guy Pierce, We've got Russell Crowe. We've got the scary old Irish guy from Babe. We've got... <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got Kevin damn Spacey. We've got a lot of people. Is it the usual suspects? It's not. I have no clue what this is. What is this? You said a 90s crime movie? Yes. It's based on a James L. Roy 1990 novel of the same name. Weave suspense and tension into a neo-noir crime triumph. A triumph, no less. Um, is it another Fincher movie? Is it Seven? It's not that one. Okay. Can you give us a hint about the title? What is the title referring to? All right. It's referring to a city and a thing. <laughs> Miami Vice? <laughs> Okay, you're on exactly the right thing, except it's not Miami Vice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Cincinnati Heat? Okay. Chicago Bulls. Okay, it takes place in the city of glitz and glam. Oh, I might Hollywood, know this title. baby. What? Is it LA Confidential? It is. Okay. Yeah. I really don't know anything about that movie. I've just heard that title. All right. The last last thing on here. A 2013 threequel. Also a threequel. Pulling it all together. Also, Guy Pierce, Just like from the last movie. So look at that. It is a movie about a man who tries to... Really, he's like this rich guy and he tries to wall himself away inside... Basically, he build himself a wall out of his money and his gadgets and lock himself away inside until it takes some terrorist stealing all his cool gadgets to make him realize what he always knew, which is that he needs to leave a voicemail for the person he loves just in case he dies so that that can be the end of at least four movies. <laughs> what? I'm talking about Iron Man 3, baby! <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. I could have gotten there eventually. (laughs) I couldn't have. What the hell? (laughs) I'm sorry for that little little ramble into complete insanity. Alright, my lovely friends. This concludes our game. Irene, you have won. Thank you so much for being here. I'm two for two! Yes, thank you. You're two for two. If there's anything you would like to plug... Any projects or any anywhere the people can hear your voice or see things you're working on, please. These days, I am under a rock and loving it, honestly. <laughs> I love not doing <laughs> things that make me tired. Um, but I am on um, Instagram, Irene Pope for if anyone's interested in seeing my hair change for the hundredth time. <laughs> that looks very cool now, so Thank you. you should yeah. do it. Uh, I want to say, since we were talking about Emmett, I've decided that the pitch of our podcast is... What if Scrappy-Doo and Shaggy had a podcast? Oh my god. Well, are you telling me that we're about to... Are you about to send zombies all over the small (laughs) island that I live on to take over the tourist bodies? Or maybe you're Scooby. Maybe it's Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo watch movies together. Scooby and Scrappy-Doo watch movies together. Now that I can can get behind. All right, what... Well, lovely listeners, if you can get behind that, and even with these hiccups, if you've still stuck with us. Through all of that, then let me just tell you, dear listener, that in 19 weeks, we will be back discussing Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, join us next week. <laughs> you need a dinosaur to scare you so your hiccups can go away. Next week, when we discuss Jurassic World from 2015. Thank you. And, dear listener, stay frosted. Bye.
Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 